welcome to episode 126 of Relics of Ore. Joining me tonight are some of the usual hosts. We are joined by Spirit. Hello, everyone. How are you doing this week, Spirit? Uh, it has been a uh, true story. If you're wondering how my day has been. I bought a Walmart gift card with a Walmart gift card today. Uh, yeah, that happened. Was it some sort of recursion scheme in which you got more money out than you put in? No, it was some sort of scheme in which my brother cut up one that he didn't use from years ago, and I said, I bet there's still money on it, and there was. So I just bought a new gift card with the cut-up gift card. That's kind of amazing. What? Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, uh, moving on from Walmart, because there's plenty to talk about this week. Uh, we're also joined by Evie. How's it going, Evie? I'm doing pretty good. Um, don't have any interesting stories like Spirit does, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Walmart gift cards are the most interesting stories, really. I could just regale you with tales for days. I mean, just in general, Walmart. Isn't there like a Tales of Walmart subreddit? I feel like there has Probably. to be. Oh, there's a, or Tales from Retail, isn't it? Oh, that yeah, that's, covers everything. that's true. But I would wager a fair number from Walmart. They get an interesting cross-section of humanity. Anyway, uh, and joining us uh, for the first time on the audio show, or at least since our, since our re-switch back to audio, we have Malkior. How's it going? I'm back from the dead. <laughs> well, at least the uh, uh, not not uh, actively podcasting dead, as it were. <laughs> I'm doing good. That's good. Um, so since it is a patch week and a fairly substantial patch, it is. I'm going to move into Patch Adams. They're squirrels. They're one of the most amiable creatures on the planet. Oh, no, they're not. On the list of hostile predators, they're right above the bottom, just above baby chicks and slugs. What could they possibly want? Your nuts? Ah! Got that. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a, little bit of a sad note. Well, a little bit's an understatement, but, uh, we're gonna continue on with it, so, uh, this week, I guess let's let's talk about the story stuff last because there's a few other sort of exciting and interesting uh, developments aside from the story. We have a staple from Guild Wars One returning, which is chaos weapons. Except they're nowhere near as amazing as they were in Guild Wars One because one, they're just models that are glowy instead of glowy weapons, and you can't die them. I mean. The Chaos Axe was essentially just a, a model that had its texture removed and made glowy. Which basically <laughs> meant it was a glowy axe. It wasn't an axe that glowed. Think, There's a difference. Of, of all of the skins, though, I thought the Chaos Axe actually looked the best. Of, of, this, of this set of, of skins? Of this set. Yes. I actually do like the Chaos Axe. I don't know. I, I, to me, I really just don't see a difference in, in that sense. Like... Here's the way I put it. Even if it's the best, the entire thing is so subpar, at least in my opinion, that it's the best of, like, a shiny piece of poop. Well, maybe not a poop. Like, what's what's above poop, but, like, under, if we got polearm? It's, it's a shining pile of meh? <laughs> exactly. It's a shining pile of meh. I mean, to me... No, no, you, you have to add the sound effect. So, shining pile of meh. Yeah. Um... I mean, I like it, and this is sort of more of a comment towards the aesthetic, is that 
I really don't like a lot of the gem store, or really just a lot of the new skins that we've gotten for weapons, because they look, in many cases, nothing like weapons. Like, they just have giant junk all over them, and look like really weird quote-unquote fantasy weapons that don't look like actual weapons, and I actually like a lot of the more subdued skins. This is weapons and armor, but weapons especially. Um... I kind of wish that we got more sort of normal style of weapons that were just different skins. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's sort of a personal preference, but... Um... You're you're talking to the guy that spent, like, 90% of the gold I've ever gotten in this game on the Phoenix weapons. <laughs> he had a problem, you don't even know. He was, like, trying to talk himself down in guild chat. He's like, I already got three, I don't need him. I, I got three, but, oh, but it looks like... <laughs> By, like, the end of the day, he had nine... <laughs> I, I have basically every Phoenix weapon I could ever need. You see, Which... that was a good set. Yes, it was. I completely agree. I don't know. I like the Chaos weapons. I think they're a good throwback to Guild Wars 1. It is sad that you can't change the color. I think that is a bit of a... They're a good throwback, I'll agree, and it's probably the best way they could have been implemented in Guild Wars 2 without completely redesigning how the aesthetic of weapons are yeah. done. Anyway, it's it's a little bit polarizing, I guess. I, I think there's a lot of people that like them and a lot of people that think that they're just completely boring, uninspired, or ugly, but I feel like there's a lot of people that felt that way about the Chaos Axe in Guild Wars 1, so at least we should be glad that we have more than just an axe. <laughs> because my favorite thing I've seen so far is the or no no it was the chaos axe I was gonna say it's besides the chaos axe I have seen something but it was a lie I have not it was a warrior wearing a primeval armor the torment shield and a chaos axe in guild wars 2 yeah that's pretty legit and you could kind of do a facsimile of the chaos gloves using the whatever the um achievement point gauntlets are i mean they're not the same but they shine with that same like super super white shine um but anyway i like it i think it was cute um let's see what else we have we have utility primers now which i feel like primers are giant steaming waste of money but they're not worth they it. would be really valuable if you could find them even at the rarest of chances somewhere that is not the gym store. I just <sighs> because like you get the new cooking recipes in dry top and stuff and some of the old primers from Tower of Nightmares that are just or the old utility stuff in Tower of Nightmares that's really expensive to make. Twenty four hours on those would be nice, but you're not paying 200 gems. For I it. well, part, I don't even know what I don't even know what the exchange rate is now, but it definitely ain't worth. Part it. of it goes to the fact that I absolutely hate consumable items that are like food and sharpening stones and crap. I as a design, <gasps> I hate them. Someone that thinks like me. I I think they're wow. dumb. I hate them so much, and so I mean. Paying money to make them last longer is not something I enjoy. If I could pay money to make them everlasting, then <laughs> that would be a different story. But You see, I like you, I hate upkeep, which is essentially what yep. those are. But uh, I like that they add that one little hint of flair to a person's build. Because people have, we use all kinds of foods for like 
speed clearing or people took the dodge move when they were trying to do the seven orbs achievement on the Audrey. Yeah, but I hate that things that are that strong are from a consumable like upkeep item and it just makes me feel like the build system is really subpar still in this game. <laughs> like when your big exciting thing is I ate a different food. I had like banana pies instead of, you know, I don't know, bean soup. Mango yeah, or pie. whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I hate it. I hate it with a burning passion. So, yeah, utility primers. Go us. Anyway, um, let's move on. We can rant about this for a long time. But <laughs> um, has anybody been keeping up on the back piece item? I feel like I know that the answer is mostly pretty much no. But anybody? Divine uh, keeping up. As in, like, trying to make it and or can adequately describe all of the steps involved in it. You I know that there's some random things in my bags that I'm not doing <laughs> yet. Okay. Are, are you talking about have any of us attempted Yo, to make us, it? Any or of us to talk about it. I know there's plenty of people in the general internet community of Guild Wars 2 that are doing it. I I could tell you the steps by reading the guide word for word from Dolphy. That doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> I've I've begun it. I'm I'm behind. I didn't start right away in the first hatch because I went, hey, Foxberry clusters, those sell pretty well. I think I'm not going to do this for a while. Uh, so I made a ton of money off Foxberry clusters and delayed my back piece, but I have started. Okay. Um, do you want me to talk through like the process? I, I mean, it? just a little bit. I guess. I guess the point is that this patch adds a way to ascend it, and also splinters off yet another item from it. Um, the Madre and the Madre too. Uh, um, mm -hmm. and I. I mean, like I, I'm just reading through our notes here, and it's players who completed their mysterious vine received a cultivated seed may now create a new exotic back items and plant that feeds on bloodstone dust. So is that? the end state of the previous patch the mysterious vine and the cultivated yes. seed yes okay we were talking about this pre-show well, okay well there's there's two states there's a uh, mysterious vine cultivated seed from dragon's reach part okay. one that goes through another process of gathering materials making plant food feeding the plant om nom 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 it turns into a cultivated vine after the cultivated vine, it spawns a pet seed, and that is turned into a seedling and a sprout and a shoot, and that becomes the Madri. Okay. And at the same time you make the Madri, you get the Madri Mark II. Okay. Which is which is the thing that eats bloodstone? Yeah. Feed me! Exactly. You can feed it uh, 50 bloodstone dust up to four times a day, and it poops out green. Yeah greens they well my understanding is it's it's like opening a jumping puzzle chest or like any chest basically where it like oh it has a chance to yeah be a it cursor, might but really you're gonna get sadness instead of a gem oh that's so so it's something around the long like feed me and i will disappoint you <laughs> exactly <laughs> just like little shop of horror uh yeah gotta be bloodstone dust <laughs> yeah so anyway that exists this is what happens when you get three people that have worked in theater some people deserve to die am i the only not theater person here i, I i'm pretty sure fabulous all right um so anyway that exists now um and there was a problem with it there's uh some some people got sort of screwed out of their items, and I didn't really keep up with that either because I wasn't paying attention to the items. And I know that Melchior at least sort of knows what's going on there. I got you covered. If Hit you me want. with it. 
So the way this works is on patch day, the patch was already flawed. People, those who completed the mysterious vine uh, before the patch, they had already received an item called cultivated seed. And so they had this item sitting in their bank or their bag or something. They log in on patch day, do a whole bunch of stuff because they're just having fun. And then they come back and try and start the back piece and realize what the heck, it's not working. And then they look at their item. And the item is no longer a cultivated seed. It is a pet seed. So as as part of the patch itself, some bug in the code completely swapped these two items. What you're tell- and... So what you're telling me is that this recipe involves so many of things that sound the exact same as each other that even ArenaNet's programmers couldn't keep them straight? Because that's what I'm getting from this. Something like that <laughs> sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that yeah, continue. They were going continue describing the were, ramifications of yeah, this problem. Yeah, that or they were going through multiple iterations, like constantly changing this. This is a long process. There's no way they got this in one try. Sure. sure. So something got changed. A couple item IDs got mixed together, and they completely swapped. And so without the cultivated seed to specifically start. The third segment, people were stuck. See, it's funny this happened because something very similar happened in another MMO that shall not be named. And it was basically the exact same problem. Yeah. I mean, that's... that's... So this is actually yeah. not Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a risk whenever you have something that is uh, very tightly controlled in terms of the items. You know, it's not an item that just drops that you can just go get another one. It's a specific reward from a specific thing that goes to one specific place. And, to, and then the specific reward cycle continues for like three different tiers of the same item so if one tier screws up that's it you're yeah you're just stuck um so is there is there a resolution that we have yet or is it sort of in limbo for people they have now stuck an npc in game find his name azar Softhoof in the oasis area of dry top he will take the pet seed that players accidentally got because of the swap and in exchange, give back the cultivated seed, and so they can uh, pick up like where they got stuck, which was essentially the very beginning of making the exotic back piece. Okay, all right. Well, <clears throat> that's good. I mean, it sounds like they at least had a quick turnaround time on that. So, but this this has a, a dark side. The a dark side. Oh, there's always a dark side. Yeah. Good news, bad news. So bum, 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 bum. that pet seed that they accidentally got, it's still a fully functional item. So these people that have no idea what the process is, they just go do 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 because it's something else and fun to do, and they still think they're getting ahead. Right. If they already created the pet seedling, which was like the second item for the ascended back piece, mm-hmm. when they, when we haven't even made the exotic yet, if they've already made the pet seedling. They're bone. They're, a- Anet is not issuing out another uh, seed to everybody. Uh, to quote Stefan Lepresti on the forums, if, however, you started evolving the pet seed into an exotic pet seed link, know that you won't be able to go back to the previous crafting process as you've already started crafting Maudry. As you won't be able to craft the cultivated vine during this process, we'll work on a way to unlock the specific skin for you in a future update. Blah, 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 blah. We will not issue refunds for any of the items involved in these crafting processes. 
Yeah, well, I mean, future update could, like, it could mean a hot patch, so maybe they'll find some way that it won't give you a refund. And it's not a refund. If they it can was just a give hot you another patch, one. They, they'd have, like, already done it and fixed everybody. This, this well, if they had an easy deep way to broken do it. Their code. Something deep broken their code, or they just don't know. They probably could put together a cheap solution, but the cheap solution... They don't know how to be fair. They want to be fair. They don't want to just hand it out to everyone. And that's what everyone's saying. Oh, why don't you just give it to everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, it's it's an evolving problem. But I guess what I meant by a hot patch is that we don't have to necessarily wait till another living story patch um for it to be a patch. You know, just a future update could be theoretically at any time, at the very least. But Ho- hopefully, hopefully at least by the feature patch. Yeah. Um, looks like we also have the Monkey King tonic and a new miniature uh, having a chance to drop from new bosses throughout Dry Top. Anybody seen those? I ain't seen any of those drop. I have seen a Monkey King tonic. It's like the Fractal tonic, but it was from uh, the mythical Fractal tonic, mm, actually. Okay. Um, I've seen one person ever with a fractal tonic, and from I was paying close attention to drop rates from fractals when I was running those uh, more hardcore. They don't they don't drop. It's like a fraction of as common as a precursor. Wow, that's int- well. I mean, it's it's also a little bit hard to say in the sense that the fractal community may have shrunk to the point that the uh, you know the chances to <clears throat> the the chance may be greater than a precursor, but the number of people doing it may be so low that you just don't ever see it. Yeah, the sample size is so small there, probably, that it's just, like, mm-hmm. practically not And even beyond that, as like, as... they say some new mini or new tonic drops off of new bosses in Dry Top. I've scoured Reddit. I've scoured the forums. I haven't seen anyone reporting on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, The one I saw, the Monkey King tonic was available from the Black Lion chest very rarely. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. For the last two weeks or so. So the one I saw came from that, not even from oh, Dry Top. Okay. So, but, but, I mean, this have, it's only been live for, yeah. what, two days? Still, how often does Reddit usually yet. find at least one copy of something? Yeah, that's Immediately, true. Uh, every time. So the fact it's been two days and Reddit hasn't found a single thing on, like, the Monkey King dropping in Dry Top or whatever. Mini- to be fair, or rather not so fair, it took them a week and a half to get a fractal time. Okay. I, 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 I could have made so a really bad comparison, but I won't. I mean, you know, I swear that Final Rest is in the drop rate. I swear. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. I kind of miss the like crazy theories i like yeah. you guys know eric you know he he comes up with stuff every day he get on all these guys no i think i know where it is this time it's in the fond of ranch like no it's in the the zokafa catacombs we gotta go there and i miss that like being carried all over the world like spirit no i know where it is we gotta yeah. find that's gonna it. be your that's gonna be your precursor hunt they're not gonna tell you what you need or they'll give you a name and they won't tell you where it's located and eric will be like i think i got it Let's let's go. I hope let's go so. to Far Heart Rise. It's like they'll no, intentionally no, no, leak it to that shaman, but just the name. <laughs> like <laughs> they'll have it like like hidden a bit in the code. So yeah, like a viral ARG, and like get everybody scavenger hunting before the scavenger hunt with no details but a name. Do you think? They're... I think that is the last thing <laughs> they will do. Try and get more data miners. <laughs> do you think they write notes to him now? Like we see you. 
<laughs> I certainly hope so. Shaman's a good guy, though, because he'll never spoil the story. And he's not even, like, releasing everything all at once. Yeah. He'll take some of the models that he finds, no, sit on them for a few days, and when things die, he's like, oh, hey, guys, look what I found one day. Yeah. All right. Uh, I feel like that's enough of the random uh, random stuff that's not story-related. We've got a few things that are for after the story to talk about with uh, regard to new stuff from Gamescom and all that jazz. But I think it's time to talk about the story. And uh, be warned, there be spoilers uh, ahead. We are not really going to be pulling punches. We assume that you, if you listen to this podcast, and by the time that it gets edited, you will have played the sh- or played the content and watched the stuff. So... If you don't want to, then uh, you'll have to tune out. Maybe we'll put something in the show notes. Or maybe we'll forget, because we're pro like that. So, spoilers. Uh, Elevator music. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go. Alright, so have you guys all finished the story? Of course. Yes, alright. I was very happy that I could go through it as soon as I logged on on Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I did. Uh I mainlined it, too. Didn't have any problems with that. But uh, what do you guys think, Com- especially compared to the previous patches? It was very focused, and I liked that. That, that focus probably makes it the best one yet. Interesting. How did you feel, Spirit? Um, it was sort of disappointing to me in that I had called it exactly. <laughs> uh, somebody asked me what my prediction was. I was like, okay, look, Dragon Reads Part 1, we went to two of the world leaders. We did events. We recruited them. They came. And I was like, okay, here's what's going to happen. In the third patch, it's going to be we go and visit the humans or whoever's left. We have to go solve a problem for them, recruit their leader. They might not come. They decide to come. And then we have the World Summit and then the Shadow of the Dragon. Because they used the actual name in the trailer. It's called the Shadow they of did. the Dragon in the Silvari Starter Zone. And I said that attacks the Grove and that's that's that. Um, so the plotline I thought was, uh, disappointingly predictable, (laughs) but I did really enjoy the implementation across the board. Um, I, the human instance was, made me sit down and think about what I was saying, uh, instead of just going, ugh. I was laughing so hard in our guild's team speak. Because there are these guys that are like big achievement rushers or don't give a crap for the story, but they play living story and living world. They were raging so hard because they were just clicking random dialogue options, got kicked out of the party about ten times. Mm-hmm. I was dying laughing. I'm like, you know you can save ten minutes by reading five seconds? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was the. They were getting angry too. Eventually, I made one comment, and one of them just left the channel. I uh, I I thought it was a little bit awkward the way that like the suspicion meter worked. Um, but because like, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't even even when you were like correcting her on her version, didn't that also raise your suspicion meter? Uh, that that depends. There are sometimes. And you only figure this out kind of through trial and error. Yeah. There are sometimes if you, like, whisper back to Casimir, like, Kaz, is this person telling the truth? Or is this person lying? Or Kaz, what do you think? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, uh uh-uh, this one should have been easy. And so you get a slight bit of suspicion. And then, like, when you confront the final, I'll go ahead and say it, Mr. Estelle, like, the last response, you try to whisper to Kaz, and then she even catches you. It's like... Stop whispering. That's rude. Okay. Yeah. 
See, some of the there are options that do you can get through it perfectly without raising any suspicion, but there are also options that progress the story that also raise. Yeah, suspicion. it was I I found it a little bit confusing. I got kicked out once because I sort of like aborted the conversation, but then had to do it again, and so it like re-raised my suspicion, and I was just a little bit like confused why exactly like what exactly its criteria were for it. But I mean, I only got kicked out once. It wasn't that big of a deal. See. I'm sitting here just like, there was a suspicion. Yeah, it was in the top right, like where you do event completion. Well, we know Eevee didn't get kicked out. Or yeah. did he? <laughs> no! I, I'm, I'm just like, there was there was a thing. I just like went through the dialogue and was like, oh, okay, it's probably this one. This one. Just, Maybe I was it. right. Maybe I was wrong. Hey, the instant's over. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it. Uh, but uh, as- aside from that, I feel like that was a little bit rocky with some people. I mean, it was kind of funny. I didn't dislike having a purely talking uh, instance. I actually thought it was kind of fun. Um, and speaking of fun talking, I think everybody agrees that uh, Kanak and uh, Anise's dialogue was hilarious. Beautiful. The like slow realization that he was speaking to an illusion so was just beautiful. amazing. I think Peter Freeze wrote that whole thing. If not, I'm gonna find out who did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he said on Twitter today he did. Also, I, I love Kanak. He is so sassy, and he's my yeah, favorite. Yeah, yeah, I'm now. a big fan. I, I think yeah, he's I, pretty I funny. like Kanak now. He, he's to the point. It's like cut the chit chat, cut the blossoms. I was actually kind of one thing I was disappointed with that is when you, if you actually go up and talk to Connor. Now I I am a person as a big uh, fan of him now. I always liked him. The character still treats him like a tr- like a criminal. Like criminal history. Yeah, that was the thing. Like I went up and talked to him. I was like, oh hey Connor, how's it going? My character was like, you put one toe out of line, I'll be at the head of the hunting party. And I was like, whoa, no, calm down. That's I like something him. I want them to work on for episode five. Uh, giving multiple options to players just on on these kind of these gray characters they're not they're not evil or they're not even really good but they, they have their own agendas because oh my gosh if i i counted so many forum posts of people that were crying or so freaking mad that they had to give up Timey's machine to flunt. <laughs> they wanted to punt him off that cliff and take the machine. Punt that flunt. <laughs> punt oh that flunt. I, you know, this is where I want to advocate for the whole like race profession kind of uh, what's what like uh, branching in terms of Individual. giving you some slightly different options and dialogue. They have branching dialogue lines, exactly. but it doesn't change the direction of the story. I want one or two actual story branches, like personal story. Yeah, because like I'm sitting here as a huge Norn thief, as these dudes are walking up to this device that they basically want to steal themselves, and I'm thinking if that was me. I would just like disappear with that thing and be like, you know what? And then I don't the Asura would never come to the summit. And then, <laughs> like, no, this is this is where and then I go to another counselor. This is where writing then becomes key and takes the place. You find another way to bargain or whatever. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It kind of it kind of goes down to that whole like philosophy of whether or not there's always the answer that you want or sometimes you just have to do something that sucks like giving giving the device over to a guy that's probably going to steal credit for it but because like 
he has the bargaining power. I mean, there's there's no real right or wrong answer. There's definitely I think everybody would say that they probably don't want to do it, but at the same time, like in the real world, sometimes you just have to suck it up and do something you hate because That's exactly what Peter Priest said. Yeah, like that's, you know, that's how it's it like, I mean, that's like how it is. Like kid, she kind of does this impetuous thing and just runs off, does a little temper tantrum, but she's got to learn life ain't fair, and she's got to give up her device for the greater good. Yeah, I mean, that's... On a completely different note, and outside of um, actual story diversion, the dialogue diversion, going back to Kanek, I found it very odd that my character was kind of high and mighty toward this dude, when, like I said before, he's a Norn thief. Like... What? But he's a Norn thief who saved Tyria multiple times. He's, yeah. He's the commander of the past. <laughs> I, yeah, that was actually, the previous criticism has been like, oh, we're not touted enough, and now we've got, like, people blaring our names, announcing the commander of the pack, person who needs no announcement, like. Okay, I'm we just can like, tone it down I'm sitting there like, bit. I'm this dude in a mask. Like, what the yeah. hell? I mean, I, <clears throat> yeah, there's, I feel like there's, there's obviously, there's limits on like how much, how much we can really expect out of that type of thing. But overall, um, I think it was still pretty enjoyable. Um, how did you guys feel about the boss fight at the end? Show of hands. And I know you can't really show it your hands, was... but who died? <laughs> I died barely once. Just by a bit. I actually didn't die. Amazingly, I don't believe this. I was on my thief. How... I did go down once, but then I killed one of the little tentacle things and it was fine. Spirit. However, that is the best design solo boss they have yep. ever made. Yeah. I I did get wrecked on my thief. I wasn't expecting quite as much. I have um and I don't necessarily think it was the boss that the I have some problems the way especially the the tentacle vines work where I have a really hard time um coming up with tells or my computer's just slow enough too that it's really frustrating for me with the the threshers because I've got that tentacly attack that comes out of the ground and by the time I see it I have already taken two ticks of damage from it which is not enough time for me to get out of the way on my and it's frustrating but that aside no I I did think it was a really good boss fight it was challenging uh, but not too challenging to the point where I felt like I had to give up or anything, um, which is good. And I did it also on my guardian, um, who <coughs> is obviously much more sturdy than my thief. Um, and it was a little bit easier, but still difficult. It wasn't face the, Like The only criticism I had was it, the design was a little repetitive. It, it was always kill tendrils, attack boss, kill tendrils, attack boss. If there was any way they could have added one or two more steps... It'd be perfect, but I still give it like a nine out of ten, nine point five out of ten. Yeah, I'd say nine point five out of ten, or like four point five out of five. Um, like the only thing I would have done different, as far as like that specific boss fight, is instead of having tendrils for every middle phase, have different mobs. Like I actually randomly got a wolf in one phase, and I have like no idea why it just popped up. But I was just like, oh, now I'm going to fight wolves. This is going to, like, completely destroy me. And I it was think just one, one just appears like, on each um, health threshold. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I did think it was interesting that the way that they chose to do the boss, that I believe, as far as I could tell, you always did a specific amount of damage regardless of what your weapon was. 
uh, when you hit the boss itself. I couldn't tell. I know I, it was hard to find. Uh, where I believe my you always did like thirty-five damage per hit. Yeah, and it just had a low amount of actual hit points because I. It seemed like I was doing that exact amount of damage with a scepter, with my staff, with my wells. Like, everything that definitely does considerably different amounts of damage was always doing, like, 35 damage per actual hit. Um, So, in some ways, that helps... The players that are condition damage players, because like it just you just have to hit it a bunch of times, and it also sort of nerfs down the usefulness of <clears throat> of zerkers because they don't get any crits and they don't do any more damage than a PVT character would. Um, At least to, to the, yeah, yeah to the main boss. That particular phase wasn't that dangerous, anyways. Um, the big thing, however, it does give an advantage to faster attacking. Um, or multi-hits. And I, I, yeah, that's definitely exactly, true. Which is why I completely wrecked his face it took me, whip when It I took me quite a it. few cycles on my Necromancer because I just, like, didn't have... Because I was just Scepter and Staff. Like, I don't carry a dagger. Um, yeah, it, I do not have very many multi-hit things. It definitely took me a while to chew through that, which partly contributed to my dying. was just, like, took me so many cycles that eventually the, the DPS caught up with me. It overall the fight felt very like Final Fantasy yeah. scripted, which is. I would say thing. my only complaint, as it were, was that it was a little bit hard to actually pay attention to the dragon while you were fighting the tentacles. Um, <laughs> just because of camera they had angles. They for every yeah, attack, man. Oh no, not was... for not well. The the tells on the attacks and like on ground targeting were super easy, but. Like, I had a hard time actually, like, seeing the dragon visually just because of oh, the camera just, angles. just for the effect of the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... I, I thought the actual tells on the moves with the targeting the targeting areas and circles were great. I thought that was really... Those were really, like, fun patterns and things to pay attention to. But I'm just, just so from a, the, same, the same, like, problem that a lot of big bosses have is, like, <clears throat> kind of hitting their feet perpetually. Yeah, um, I'm so glad they're finding more ways for the mobs to attack and enhancing their telegraphs. I, I used to really hate the telegraphs, but then when I went and played Wildstar, and because Wildstar designed their combat specifically around the telegraphs, they have so many shapes and spirals and crap for you to dodge. It, it is mind-boggling. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, I liked, I like that they're incorporating more diverse diverse types of targeting, for sure. I am still waiting for moving telegraphs. I want it to happen. That's like yeah, we haven't had any missing. of them. I definitely want it to happen. Yeah. Um... So how about so do you guys you guys want to talk a little bit about the specific details of the final story instance? Anybody have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean I feel like there's it's kind of a broad it's kind of a broad just call it what it is the vision. Well, there's the vision, but there's also some other things about like dialogue and characters specifically. Let's start on let's start chronologically the vision. The vision. All right. Okay. This is this is where I very very sadly put my head down and say i have been defeated by the crypticness of this video and this is the first time oh my god i am so glad you said that because i was talking (laughs) to spirit before this and i'm like yeah so that vision huh and she's like what do you think it means and i go 
I don't know, man. I must not be a very metaphorical thinker because all I got was like some crystals that looked like Kralkatorix crystals in the Crystal Desert, maybe. So therefore, we're going to the Crystal Desert, and then we're going to Alona. <laughs> expansion confirmed. GG. <laughs> except they—they're not Kralkatorix crystals. They're Ascension crystals. Could be both. From the Augur Stone. They did this on—they did this on purpose. They essentially made it that cryptic on purpose because even though they probably have the entire story in their heads and maybe even on paper they don't have the delivery of it yet they don't have like the design of how they want to turn this into content fleshed out yet yeah making it so cryptic they can do whatever the hell they want and then say oh this is what the vision means oh that's good too i like it because i don't uh i like thinking about what it means instead of looking at it and going okay i know exactly what's gonna happen like i did uh with that i don't want to know what's gonna happen i want because remember after this um we got the feature patch september 9th and then there's a break right a a real really long break i don't even know if they specified how long it is they might have said a month on a forum post or on a blog i have to check yeah, but it's probably going to be October or, or November until we see episode five. So they got a lot of time to just think what in the world they want to do with E five, where are all the ties are going to start to come together, it, and what does that vision mean? Are they going to incorporate the living story with like the I have no idea because like I mean that's like right there at Halloween and yeah they tried that last year with Day. Bloody Prince and I don't think it worked that well. I just it would have been better if Bloody Prince was just Bloody Prince and they didn't try to say, Oh, this is also part of the world story. No, it's not. It's just Halloween. But yeah. The vision. We are all stumped. We're all stumped. Yeah. I oh go ahead, Spirit. I uh um when Grybuck and I were talking about it, I said, well, I asked him what he thought first because I don't wanna say anything, but we both came to different conclusions actually, which I think is cool. Um I thought it was I naturally I thought Okay, there's tentacles, so Mordramoth is there. Where are crystally things by Mordramoth? And I went, oh, it's a bloodstone. Uh, Grabot came to a totally different conclusion where he went, okay, that looks like Kralkatorix crystals, the desert. And actually, if you go back and look at the recap for the story as it puts um, stuff in the journal after you finish story every time, uh, it says, the pale tree gave me a vision of a land or a land of golden <gasps> sun or something like that. I'll get exact words on that. Um, so... I gotta, I gotta go look at my freaking journal. There's no way they just use that exact text. It's the Golden Land or the Golden Sun or something like that. If they do that, that, that at some point guarantees, maybe not E5, but by the end of it all, Alona. It freaking guarantees it. There is no way ArenaNet would write that exact <laughs> text. Well, the, the beauty of they know they know what that connects to. Well, the be- the beauty of Mordramoth is that he's everywhere, right? Like we, it could it could have it could be like a long, long game setup because we've sort of had these theories that we were talking about with upsetting the power balance of one dragon affects another dragon, and it could be sort of a chain. Mm-hmm. So like upsetting uh, um, Zaitan. Uh, woke up or upset Mordramoth, and maybe Mordramoth has an interaction with Kralkatorik. Like, it could be sort of a daisy chain around. Um, I, I do like the Bloodstone idea, too, and there's a lot of hints about that as well. So I, I don't really, like, think that I necessarily trust my the just sort of initial reaction, but it's also plausible, given the fact that the, the vines are appearing everywhere. 
um, that, you know, that wouldn't be where our boss fight is. I feel like it's fairly obvious that Mordramoth's quote-unquote core or whatever is in Maguma somewhere, but that could be something that kicks off the, you know, dealing with Kraukatoric. And also, uh, Traherne was talking about how they were getting ready to mount an attack on Kraukatoric uh, before this happened. Um, uh, okay, I got the exact wording on this. Just I'm reading this yes. straight out of my journal in-game. Before she fell unconscious, the pale tree showed me a vision of the golden land and a mysterious artifact. I'm not sure what it okay. was just yet. Okay, they didn't say land of the golden sun. That's different now. Artifact, really? It, could he be referring to like that, that little white thing that's inside one of the bursts right before it goes like down to the thorns and such? Well, I was kind of thinking that might... It's the, it's the what? It could be, or maybe it's, it's Glint's Egg. It's the what stone? That is not the auger stone. It is much larger than that. Okay. I like Greybox theory. <laughs> because, okay. But it's not like, it's not shaped at all like Glint's Egg. The only thing that makes sense, like, at all, and anything we've seen in the past, is the auger stone, or that, like, one weird crystal-looking thing from Eye of the North. But that was, like, red, so... Anyway... It was in pieces, okay, so here's, though. Okay, the reason why I like Greybox Theory, and I just remember this, Master of Peace is currently beating it through Dry Top, and maybe even further than us now. And, like, local rumor has it, he's carrying Glint's egg, that uh, the Zephyrites were caretakers of the egg until a certain point in time when it, when it would hatch or whatever. So what if now the vision is that He's dead or something, or the egg is in danger, and Mordremoth is seeking it out. Trying to get himself a uh, a new buddy dragon, corrupt one dragon's dragon for another something dragon. like that. Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that would work, though, because aren't... I guess maybe the whole idea is because it's an egg right who knows i mean i feel like there's that's i feel like we're reaching when we're trying to explain dragon egg logic with regards to super dragons (laughs) if you want to go after all the theories we need to talk about i was wondering if we were going to talk about that yes we will well let's talk about it right now let's just jump right at it so kenick not so definitely implies that Anise might be very, very old. And some very, very hopeful people, in my opinion, have come to the conclusion that Anise is Livia in disguise. See, Bam, it bomb. might work. I, I think it's far-fetched. I don't know if Arena would, if that's the plan, but it might work. Because, See, the scepter, my... because scepter of Ore, we all know Anise had the scepter, and so uh, she essentially could have became undeath like a lich or whatever and had um, immortality. And on that, that would mean that Olivia Shining Blade Guild Wars 1 has kind of been maybe not always at the forefront, but always been watching the blade, always been a part of the blade, observing the blade. Well, I mean, she was in the books doing that as herself in the newer books in Sea of Sorrows, right? yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we had like actual Livia as Livia, which, in my opinion, kind of I kind of points towards probably not disguising herself with mesmer illusions. If freaking she's, forgot about yeah. that, yeah, if she's already walking around as herself I, uh... and like in with those groups, I feel like disguising herself is a little bit uh, of a stretch. 
I mean, she might be disguising herself so that she could stay close to the queen, and people not be like, oh, I don't even know why she would care what the alter motive is. Exactly. What were you going to say, Spirit? You were starting to say something. I'm I'm not on board with the theory that she's Livia. I, they're different. They're different people. I I don't know. Just Livia's attitude, because you know I played. Uh, no, she was only yeah. in Eye of the North. She. Uh, I don't know, but I played alongside her and played her story long enough to kind of know how she acts and her demeanor, and it's completely different from Anise. I don't think Livia would would be yeah, that kind. I, of person. I agree. It seemed to me like it was. Uh, it seemed to me like it was just not. sort of a, a sort of funny joke about. You I know, just love the theory. I don't think it's real, age. but I love it. And if and if we want to go into oh, even God. crazier theory, I heard someone mention that they might think that Anise is actually a descendant of Baradin, as uh, in like no. a daughter or granddaughter. <laughs> I, I know, no, but like, I, I heard that and I was just like, what? It's like, Anise will end the like, Because the locket and then the age thing is just like, it, it, it fits because they mentioned the locket and I'm just like, you're grasping Anise will end the No, okay. But her objective now, what in the world is in that girl's head? She's employing Kanak to be a spy within the pack just to report to her. Okay, now the thing is, this can be done in two ways. You can say she's got her own ulterior objective to send him there, or because now Queen Jenna has said, I'll devise a force and we'll talk about the dragon and such, she's just sending him there for the Queen's intelligence. I, I have a feeling that this might be a little bit of a um, kind of like back in Eye of the North situation with the Escalonians sending help. I don't think this is a red herring. Uh-uh. No, no. Where she wants to help the pact, but for some reason she can't look like she's directly helping. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I mean, there's all sorts of political drama going on with the humans. Yeah, the minute everyone exactly helps the damn pact, it wouldn't matter. Not that I think. I don't think it would matter. Well, helping, but helping the pact versus helping yet another dragon threat. I mean, they sort of brought it up in general that like all of the leaders were so antsy about it that like. Everybody in there, all of their subjects were basically of the opinion that not my problem or I have bigger problems right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm but, certain we'll see that again. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll see more. But I feel, like, I feel like unless anybody really has anything extra to add, we should probably just move on here. We're already going on an hour and we still have stuff to talk about from Gamescom. Um, so much. unless anybody had any last minute additions... The only other real big thing is the mention of, like, the bandits and white men all working together. And this time it was a direct one. That's really the only other bandits thing. Bandits are the white male. Spoilers! <laughs> bandits are human. Humans are white mantle. Bandits are white mantle. Well, you know, like, the bandit icon turned upside down is very resemblant to the old white mantle emblem. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um... All right, so let's let's just move on into uh, stuff about Gamescom. Should we uh, use a bumper for stuff that's not really patch stuff, or just go? This right is Gamescom. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't have a particular rotating. Yeah, okay. Cog, Mi- mini rotating know. cog. Anyway, um, so the very much we we now have confirmation that we're getting a feature pack again, and it's being released on September 9th. Um, that's kind of cool. That's sooner that. than I think a lot of people are expecting. We knew that. 
Yeah, we knew more than were coming, but it's nice to have it. And it's uh, it's the last yeah. one was yeah. April fifteenth, right? So what, like five, five yeah. months? On a completely kind of side note, but kind of related, they also seem to be doing sale. Excuse me, seem to be doing sales mm-hmm. yep. like fifty percent off when they announce the feature packs, and I like, yeah, I love that. Yes, to some extent. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's. Like, I mean, we get we're... all your friends in here. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a friend that was talking about getting Guild Wars too, and I was like, "Well, it's a great game," and he's like, "Yeah, I might wait for it to be on sale." So here it is. Um, yeah, I mean, we knew we were getting another feature pack. I just feel like most people probably didn't expect to be getting it after only four more installments of the Living Story. But at the same time, we kind of had a long delay without any Living Story, so you know, it it felt soon to me in terms of judging it based on Living Story content, but not really that soon judging it based on pure time. Time. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I think it's cool. Um, um, Mal or Evie, you want to talk about the PvP? Stuff, not talking about commander tags, we'll do that afterwards. Europe, right, China. Uh, um, China. Yeah, yeah, they're what? doing the... Oh, wait, I thought we were talking about Gamescom, yes? Yeah. Oh, I was going to talk about the exclusive armor and the standardized oh, model Oh, that, the, the update they did. Go ahead, Evie. Well, to much the joy of competitive PvPers... There's not going to be an option for when you are in tournaments and other important things for PvP that are not joined to standardize the models of your enemies, where they will all basically be humans and they will all have like the same armor depending on their profession. This will make learning tells and like watching for movement whatnot like much much easier because there's a reason that most people play asura in pvp if they are like going really yeah young at it. it's because it's yeah exactly i i that's always been sort of even though i'm not really a pvp here that's always been sort of one of my complaints about the pvp in this game is that in guild wars one you had very strong definitive silhouettes because the armors were profession specific and so you know if you had much experience in the game you could look at any character and say i know exactly what class that is and that's something that you can't do in guild wars 2 you can do it with some uh, there are some tells that give you a certainty based on things like if you see undead minions following it around, it's obviously a necromancer. If you see a pet, it's obviously a ranger. But not all necromancers have pets, and not all, you know, if you just see somebody wielding scepter dagger in light armor, until you click on them, you don't necessarily know that that's not an Ellie, or at least not in an easy way. Kind of ironically, if I, I don't know if I'm really using that right, <laughs> the easiest profession to like get a tell on other yeah. than rangers because of their pet and even then their pet might like be off on the other side of the map are actually thieves because as soon as they that, dodge you know that's that they're true. a thief <laughs> um but yeah that's like in in most competitive games um the idea of a silhouette that you can easily identify exactly what you're facing is really important because that affects a lot of your decisions and that's why you see a lot of sort of stylistic choices or you know hard locking certain things with characters or classes or weapons or whatever the mechanic is in the game that's relevant um you know that's why you would never see like invisible weapons in a competitive game basically because like it would ruin a huge aspect of being able to see what's going on so i think it's a really smart move that they're doing um and if you're not into competitive pvp it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah so that's great exactly 
Um, and PvP exclusive armor. Has anybody really looked at that, or have they shown it? I don't remember. Uh, in the article I linked, there is one set of it, but we don't know if there's going to be like a light, a medium, and a heavy, or if it's going to same across the board. Um, but we have seen at least that, and then there's okay, so there's the glorious PvP glorious armor, which is attainable through a repeatable reward track that rewards similarly to the region reward tracks. We're gonna get stuff like dragon eye. Mystic Clovers, that sort of thing. Uh, and you have to do it six times, I believe, to get one of each set of armor, is what I heard. Don't have confirmation mm-hmm. on that. Each time you finish you a track, a you need to pick one of the armor pieces. Right. And then uh, there's the Glorious Heroes armor, I think it's called, which is a step above. And that's uh, an armor that's exclusive to the high-end organized tournaments. So if you see that, then you'll know that that person is sort of the... Um, the cream of the crop, I guess. Uh, and this is the armor that we've seen that they'll be giving out at yeah. Gamescom, I believe. But then again, it, we'll see it again in the future at, at other tournaments. And that does have light, medium, and heavy variants. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Mal, what were you talking about with China from Gamescom? Uh, the, the All-Stars tournament today was Europe versus China, which was essentially boils down to Team Mist versus China. And China got completely annihilated. It, it's just, this is, I'm going to go ahead and come out on this. Anet should have had measures in place that prevented an entire team, an entire practiced, coordinated, organized team to represent a region at this tournament of all-stars. Random all-stars that, while they're good players, they haven't been playing as a team for two years. So, is the idea that it's not supposed to be organized teams, but basically one team was an organized team? Is that... There There were no rules in place, yeah. so it doesn't matter, but everyone is expecting Europe to face roll China and USA. I mean, I if there's no rules, then it seems to me like you should just mm-hmm. expect that everybody's been practicing together. Like, I don't know, that it's, seems like the base so expectation. It's so different to have, um, even if they're rank 80, it's so different taking... Uh, like eight people or five people who are really good, and but kind of just to use the word pug because they're doing a pickup group right. against a practice team that has won multiple tournaments and has been playing together for two years. But so why is that different from yeah. the USA? Because because the USA their team has not like yeah. the the makeup of the team comes from multiple places whereas the european team they're pretty yeah, much all team it is one team it is team miss that is representing your the fans voted all these people in but it didn't have any restrictions in place uh, and so okay. europe it was banded the, together it was the fan voting that was sort of like throwing me like i forgot about that so i yeah. was just like well why didn't they just apply together or whatever but yeah that's kind of that is kind of lame um but whatever <laughs> Um, I'm I'm cheering. I'm even though um China faces NA tomorrow. I'm hoping for a more balanced fight. I'm hoping China can give NA a run for their money. Yeah, we'll see. Um, like you said, we've had two years. Even if we're not an organized team, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be hard for China. I feel like. But anyway, um, uh, well, we um have something different for Bar Brawl, but. Let's let's make it a double bar brawl because I feel like we're gonna have one about the commander stags. All right. Really? Yeah, you're pretty pissed much off. Well, Are we unanimous? Oh, we could all agree on this one. 
I'm fairly sure where you know. All right, I know like I feel like about, maybe so. we need some sort of bumper for like like ranty pants because no, no, we need we need some <laughs> kind of bumper that's like shock and awe that we all agree. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But um, for those of you who don't know, uh, a net with one hand giveth and with the other hand puncheth in the nuts. Um, <laughs> commander tags are going account bound, which is awesome. Yay! Finally, it only took them two years to do it for something that everybody said they should do. Um, which means you can buy your tag once and it will be on all of your characters. As a sub note, uh, if you have bought four or more commander's tags, you will get a refund if you contact customer support, but I believe you will only get refunds well, past 300 we'll gold spent the fourth one. because 300 yeah. gold is the new price that they're changing it to. Yeah, and we don't we don't necessarily know if you have to contact customer support. They, they said say contact that? customer support for refunds. That's dumb. Golly. Yeah. If if they can track how many people have bought, which I guess they can't. That's why you have to contact customer support. Why don't they just send out an automatic mail? Yeah. Well, anyway, that's of of the things that is the least annoying. I personally don't mind a price increase just speaking without any other context up to $300 because inflation has happened and 100 gold isn't that much. Not dollars. Did I say dollars? Gold. 300 gold. <laughs> um gosh, how much? <laughs> Which ironically is close uh, 100 to 100 gold to, to 300 gold. Um, you know, overall, I don't think it's the end of the world, especially when you already know that it's coming because you can just buy it now. Um, but in the in the true spirit of keeping up with what I said, with the giveth with one hand and puncheth with the other, uh, the other long requested feature of multiple commander uh, pin colors is being added to the game, to which everybody rejoiced. But and then read the fine print. Right. Then they read the fine print, and the fine print was that you had to buy them each separately at the full price of your commander tag, which means that it costs you three hundred gold for every new color, and you don't get to choose which color you start with. If you started with a commander pin, you just get automatically assigned blue because that's what you had before. Like there's no there's no value for this, there's no tree, there's no hierarchy, and and it's not even just hot swap. It's just it you just pay three hundred gold per color. I literally I literally just chopped this down to time. They they finally like ran out of time or just let's get something out there quick before the players maul us. But and I, now within a couple of weeks there will be torches and pitchforks at Anet's door because this is stupid. But I don't understand why time would lead them to making such a terrible decision. Like it's not like they. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's awful. I don't understand. If the prices, if you had to buy them each, but they were a hundred gold, I would still think it was dumb. But I wouldn't think it was that dumb because then you'd just be paying three hundred gold for three new colors. And that's what it would cost you for one. But it's baffling. This is... Pro Even if it was like 300 for the first one and like 100 for each subsequent one, I would be a little more okay with it. But like 300 for each one just straight up? I have a feeling... Of course we are. Well, and a lot of blue what's so dumb about it is that 
too, well, there's, it's twofold dumb. One is that the whole reason that people want multiple is because they want to make it easier to differentiate which commander you are, but there's no way to coordinate with other commanders which pins you're going to have. Like, so, yeah. unless they're specifically in your guild or whatever. Um, so, you know, you save up your 300 gold and you buy yourself a shiny... I don't remember what the colors are, but not blue one. Zone into a map, and oh, look, the other guy in the map also has the not blue one, and so does the other guy, and so... The same one, rather. And so, now you've got two colors, but maybe three commanders, and you just happen to pick the wrong ones, or whatever. I don't know. That's dumb. This is li- this is literally, like, the stupidest decision I, I, I personally have seen <laughs> since the introduction of Ascended tier year. Like the Ascended Rings. I originally thought that was okay. the dumbest thing ever. It's like, why is there another gear tier? We didn't ask for another gear tier. And eventually it's turned out, okay, this makes zero sense. You can't even argue that, oh, it's a good gold sink. You, you can't argue that because people are being refunded and it is giving gold back. And because of that, people won't spend gold on this stupid excuse. Oh, well, and they're expensive enough for so little utility that it's not going to be an effective gold sink because 99% of people are just going to go screw it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. with. I will be happy to have my Commander Sega account gone. I've had one for a long time. I use it uh, fairly frequently. Um, but I will not be buying another color for 300 gold, and so instead of being like, yay, we have more colors, my third thought was like, boy, I can't wait to go somewhere and be called, you know, unhelpful and uncooperative because I'm not willing to drop 300 gold to change my color. It's just, it's the status quo. Yeah, it's, nothing is it's bonkers. Oh, and then, well, and the other reason that I sort of got sidetracked from explaining was that one of the groups of people that most desperately needs it, i.e. World v. World people, make the least amount of money in the game. Like, World v. World is not mon- like money lucrative. Even Edge of the Mist champ farming is not that lucrative money-wise. Like, ugh, anyway. Ugh. Ugh. Alright, let's just move on. I really hope the fact that this is all still in development, and it's still until September night that they can make a change. This is unacceptable. It's it's bonkers. The bonkers. <laughs> unacceptable. Uh, all right. Now we'll just move into the actual bar brawl. So, Spirit, you want to uh, introduce us to this since you wrote it in the show notes? Uh, I guess I was reading an article about. Uh, whether Guild Wars 2 needs an expansion, and it's, I don't know, I felt like it was sort of one of those clickbait articles, but I was reading it anyway. And one thing, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about how we really want an expansion, and I thought that the author, and I'm not exactly sure... David uh, Um, Jagno, or some sort of French name that I don't know how to pronounce. Okay, yeah. Uh, I thought he brought up an interesting point that we haven't ever really talked about, or maybe we have, but I've just (laughs) forgotten because we've talked about it so many times. Uh, and I'm going to read this directly from the article. Uh, he says, The trouble with how it was, is how it would mess with the Living Story content. If an expansion was released, it would have to be in the interim period between Living Stories, which I'm not sure I agree with, actually, but that's beside the point. On top of that, how does ArenaNet push the Living Story forward for players that do not purchase the expansion? If they plan to continue the story and just pick up from where the previous season leaves off, won't players that bought the expansion feel cheated? Does that mean that the expansion won't receive as much attention as the core game? Or what if the reverse is true, uh, the and the core game is all but abandoned in favor of adding new and big expansions to the game? Uh, so I thought I thought that was an interesting sort of 
take on how we've always wanted an expansion, but how the living story would progress and how that would be gated to people who do or do not purchase the expansion um, merits some discussion. So it's like a gentlemanly scholars bar brawl today. Here's the thing. This is so ridiculously accepted within MMOs. I really don't think it should be a question. Yeah, I. but I guess part of it also is that it's... And- to me, I think I agree with what you're saying is that I don't care in the sense that I think it's fine, but it is something that they've definitely marketed is that, you know, the game, the core game evolves like frequently. And uh, if you had an expansion, I think it would behoove them to not only make it an expansion in the World of Warcraft style where in which you must own the core game as well and it like expands where you can go, but also that I think it would be wise to actually have the living story pre- um, uh, spread between both. I actually think it would be a really yeah. cool way to keep uh, the biggest problem with expansions from happening as much, which is that it completely kills off any of the old zones. Because that's sort of one of the best features of the living story, is it kind of gets you back into places that you have no real reason to go to. And, you know, if they did an expansion, they could very easily have things interacting with both at home and abroad. Like, if we went to Cantha, it would be completely logical to have stuff that influenced both the political leaders from where we currently are interacting with the political spectrum over there, you know. We go we go say hi to Bubbles and then we bring all the Corgans back to their old home and then they're all they gone. Get lit on fire. Um, but, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> Just like the nation, or the the nations of Tyria, the continent are all clashing. You could just as easily have a tenuous, you know, conflicting relationship with whoever's in charge of the other continents, and have stuff that's going on in both places. And I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, the politics of that would definitely be. I mean, you've seen it in other yeah. games, and it's a wow was built on its two continents. Yeah, and it's a perfect. It's I actually think that's a really cool way to use the living story to actually fix some of those problems rather than where I think the author's coming at it that it would cause problems. Mm-hmm. And on that note, aside from adding new areas, I say I don't need a name expansion that gives me areas of content and stuff. That's what the living world does. Well, what does need to happen is mm-hmm. more the same mechanics, more variety, more play play value needs to be added to the feature patch. Some point within another four months or a year down the road, I want them to add a new weapon to the game or two new weapons. That way, we could like give it across all the classes, and that comes with. Five new skills on that new weapon for each class. I don't want to make more utility skills or whatever. At some point, Colin was talking about master classes, kind of like old D&D system. Take your warrior and master class him into a berserker, or take your guardian master class him into a... I don't want to say paladin, damn it. <laughs> into a dervish! Yes! Into a monk! Yes! Yes, into a monk dervish. Yeah. Yeah. I want more value for my existing level 80 that isn't cosmetic. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing, though, is, is you know, there is the money aspect of it. You know, obviously they're doing fine, but I think that 
uh, it's a little bit easier for them to justify putting in that big of things behind a paywall. And I feel like sometimes they've expressed concern that like, well, how do we feel about splitting our players behind a second expansion paywall? Like to me, I don't, like Evie said, that's so accepted in the MMO space. I don't think that's a problem. I think that that's just a huge cash incentive for them. I really don't think many people in this game would care at all because they already the spend money anyone would or they don't and they've gotten this huge free game after mm-hmm. their initial purchase. Like either way, both like both crowds are going to be fine with it. Mhm. The only way I can see anyone having a problem with it is if it was like oh, like $60 for just the base expansion or whatever. And even yeah, then, that, that's that would come down more to how much is added. It. I feel like, yeah, like I think most people would pay sixty dollars if it was huge, mm-hmm. and, and it... would be mad if it was not. Like uh, yeah. looking at Diablo 3's expansion, like to me, that was not worth the price. And if this, I mean, the same thing can be true of any price point. But anyway, so well, I guess it's less of a bar, bar, bar brawl than we thought. I think we're mostly on the same page with that as well. Most of us are pretty much fine with, uh, you know, have, having a paid expansion. Like, I don't think anybody... It was less bar brawl yeah. and more pub discussion. <laughs> Some of us are just a little more drunk than others. <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, I think that's pretty much it. We don't really have a cast cast this week, do we? No. Uh, no. Welcome to cast cast, cast cast, over to cast cast cast. This week on cast cast, there's Gamescom. <laughs> Go watch it. Yeah. Uh, There was a community meetup. I don't think anything has really come out of it yet, yeah. except for like the news about Commander Tag. Uh, I haven't seen any pictures of thing yet, but uh, they did have a community. Meeting yep. So I guess without further ado, I'm just gonna call it quits here. Oh, I do. I do have. I have one thing for the cast, 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 cast. Stay tuned to Guild Mag. Uh, Dutch got a good interview with him so much he had to like pee on me. I was like, dude, this is probably one of the best interviews I've ever had. Like, there weren't any questions that said, oh, we can't talk about that right now. And he said most of it is actually mechanics and not lore. All right. So keep your eyes tuned to Gilmeg. Oh, and on a side note, congratulations. Yeah, that's right. Yay! Uh, They are now podcasting regularly again, doing a European time schedule. I don't have stuff right now, but I will put link show notes for you. So if you're listening, already and uh, yeah, I guess I guess I will now call it. So thank you for listening to us once again. We always love hearing feedback, getting emails and or whatever. If you feel like you have a good topic for Barbrawl or just something you want to hear us talk about, you can always tweet us or email us. Um, you can tweet us at Relics of Ore. Um, you can leave comments on RelicsOfOr.com. And what's uh? Do we have a public email? Oh my gosh! How did yes, I not know that? Um, I did, but I didn't want to misspeak. So, uh, that's that's it. And once again, um, our our publishing schedule is a little bit out of whack. We're still sort of trying to get things worked out. So sorry that we're not on a consistent release schedule like we used to be. But we are pretty much recording every week uh, within a day or two of uh, our normal, like within a day or two of seven days. So, um. The, the podcast will keep coming out even if it is slightly belated or at a seemingly random schedule and hopefully we'll be able to get that worked out pretty quick here so uh, that's us signing off peace that was another episode of Relics of War if you'd like to get involved you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook Twitter Steam and many more just by looking up Relics of War that's Relics of O-R-R similarly if you'd like to send us mail you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com 
or go to our website, relicsofwar.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget. Just put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel-Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spiritface to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 